Former State Representative Gordon Denlinger is back in Harrisburg as the new Executive State Director for the Pennsylvania Chapter of the National Federation of Independent Business. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, President of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. And I am in downtown Harrisburg today uh, with former representative, uh, now state executive director of National Federation of Independent Business, Gordon Denlinger. That's a lot of a title leading into that's, that, Gordon. That's a long string there, you bet. Well, it's, it's great to have you back in Harrisburg. Uh, I know we worked together while you had 12 years, I think, uh, in the state legislature. Mm-hmm. Um, took some time out, uh, but are now back into this uh, daily fight, if you will. I know you never lost touch with uh, uh, the politics. Once it's in your blood, you can't get it out. That's right. right. It's one of those diseases that's <laughs> resident in there. You can never really get cured. But uh, yeah, good to be back here uh, near the dome and uh, back engaging with policy issues that are important to uh, all of us. Uh, very much glad to be back. Well, uh, we'll get to your new role with uh, NFIB, uh, taking the spot of Kevin Shivers, course who moved on you started at the beginning of november at nfib and fighting for small business and i want to definitely talk about that um but let's go back to even before you uh, were uh, in elected office and mm-hmm. how you even uh, got to elected office and then we'll kind of go through your journey uh, all the way back to nfib now sure yeah well um yeah the question you know when did the stirrings all yes, start yeah. and um I, and i ask that occasionally um, thinking back on it, I am old enough to remember the Watergate hearings and was kind of glued to that whole thing on TV, which was happening when I was in this probably eight, nine years of age, 10 years of age mm-hmm. zone. And, um, and I recall at about age 13, Richard Nixon had resigned. He had written his memoirs. And so I'm walking through a bookstore with my dad, and I saw these Nixon memoirs there for sale, and I started pestering him I'd really like to read these and 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 my dad's like you you know it's like this isn't a comic book you know you really want to read this like so he bought them for me and uh, at age 13 I'm under the covers with a flashlight reading the memoirs of Richard Nixon what a nerd and uh, yeah Yeah. totally (laughs) this disease started early Uh, but uh, really felt a an interest connection you know I had followed the proceedings somewhat uh, Mm -hmm. in a younger time and uh, I, I guess that's the beginning of the stirring. So people say, who's your first kind of Republican connection? Richard Nixon. It's like, ooh, you yeah. know, Richard Nixon. What, was your, were your family politically involved, uh, paying attention, uh, Republican, Democrat? Uh, what was your family life like? We were always a news in the evening family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back in those days, uh, you know. The big three. Huntley, right? <laughs> Brinkley, or, or Cronkite, or whoever. Um, but, yeah, following the issues, newspaper, always around the home. Um, my dad uh, did some municipal service uh, in various roles, so some connections, not a lot. He was a small businessman. Uh, we had a car dealership uh, okay. background, so as a kid growing up, uh, uh, Chevy was what it was all uh-huh. about. And uh, so more focused on business from family perspective, but uh, always interest, always following the hot items of the of the day. Yeah. And so, so you, uh, youngster, you're paying attention. D- did that stick with you then? I mean, did you constantly uh, uh, pay attention to the, the, the election cycles and whatnot? It, it did. And, and, you know, in school, uh, civics or government became my, my love. Certainly some good teachers along the way were huge. Uh, but uh, this, uh, this governor from California, Ronald Reagan, uh-huh. captured my imagination as I was coming into the later years of high school. And um, I was uh, from southern Berks County, 
the Morgantown area and um, plugged into the Berks County GOP. And just at the point where I had a driver's license, uh, the uh, election for uh, 1980, the Gippers, uh, you know, initial run mm-hmm. there came along. And I was, uh, because I had a license, they made me the uh, Berks County GOP youth chairman for Reagan. <laughs> I was like, cool. So we go around nailing up, you know, Reagan posters on, on telephone poles. Uh, before the power company told us that was illegal. Don't do that. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, just uh, doing all the fun things that you do in campaigns. Uh, a lot of dialing. Uh, worked on a uh, out of a storefront on Penn Street in Reading. Um, Polish Catholic community, you know, connecting with all of that. And um, Reagan won, you know, so nothing really helps you to really connect yeah. like winning. And uh, but I believed deep, deeply in his core principles and, and loved the man. So. Yeah. So so was it was it the the values and the, the the principles as you said that attracted you, or was it hey I'm a Republican? Uh, at what point did because I know you're passionate about policy and you have principles that you apply to that and you know that you do that through the Republican Party. Uh, but did that start early, or were you kind of like, hey, I'm on the Republican team, that's my team? No, it was definitely more uh, the individual and the principles of the individual mm-hmm. that was the point of connection. And that was about limited government, uh, getting government kind of out of our lives, uh, sort of that uh, some early libertarian twinges, if you will, uh, but uh, constraining the beast and, and keeping government more constrained. And, uh, yeah, that was a time of ascendancy for conservatives, so it was an amazing time. Bill Buckley was huge in the movement, and uh, Jack Kemp, of course, with uh, some economic principles mm-hmm. there. And uh, So is an that the literature? Time. Are you reading National Review and some of this? Is this where you're jumping in? You bet. Okay. Uh, loving that. And, uh, yeah, it was an exciting time, um, and it was right again at the end of the high school years, and then— uh, to kind of carry it forward, uh, went down south to uh, college and, uh, and again, got politically involved. Mm-hmm. Went to college at uh, Bob Jones University, conservative Christian school in Greenville, South Carolina, and, uh, and Carol Campbell, who was the, uh, a local congressman in Greenville, later Governor Carol Campbell. Um, I was part of his congressional reelection team during college. So okay. just kind of took the next steps. Right on down the, the so line. So working campaigns, are you thinking at the time, hey, I think I could run for office at some point? Is that in the back of your mind yet? Yeah, it was. Okay. Um, no, you know, I thought, well, delegate to the convention or something, you know, mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, although I went to college for an accounting degree and sort of went on that other road not taken mm-hmm. and, uh, and got an accounting degree there in uh, Greenville. Uh, so that launched me into an, an 18-year career in corporate accounting and finance, most of those years with Graco Children's Products, which was in Elberson, PA at mm-hmm. that time. So you, so you graduate from Bob Jones. Do you come directly back to Pennsylvania? No, Carolyn, okay. my wife Carolyn, uh, my bride now of 33 uh-huh. summers, uh, we uh, moved to Atlanta, to the big city of Atlanta uh-huh. for a job and uh, did a stint in telecom down there. Uh, and actually went to the Georgia State GOP convention while I was there as a Dole delegate in 1988, mm-hmm. which was when Bush Sr., of course, was uh, winning that year. But, uh, but I was kind of on the Dole side of that equation that year and uh, well, came up short. So you, even though you're uh, working in corporate world, you're still, you still have your eye on politics, still being involved there? Is that, uh... Always points of connection, okay. yeah, okay. all along the way. And, I, and my nightstand every night, I'm reading politics. And it's like, you know, hello. At some point, you should realize this, 
but I'm, I'm pretty thick. So, you know, it took me a while <laughs> to figure out that uh, God had wired me to really have a, a love and interest for politics and public policy. Okay, so you come back to Pennsylvania, uh, and uh, you spend almost two decades in the corporate uh, world. Uh, at what point do you say, all right, I'm throwing my hat into the ring, and you, and you decide to run for office? Well, you know, my predecessor in the State House, uh, Leroy Zimmerman, a, a wonderful gentleman, uh, I had worked for his reelection campaign in 2002, and uh, Leroy was not well physically. He was reelected in November of that year to a fifth term. And, and I had always thought, you know, when Leroy retires, I'll take a good hard look. Carolyn, uh, my wife, had not been too friendly to the idea. And, of <laughs> course, you know, bosses, you know, that's another matter. Uh, for your employment side, but um, in that month, um, and I can only say these were providential moves, uh, I was reading Lisa Beamer's book, Let's Roll, mm-hmm. you know, about Flight mm-hmm. 93, and so I'm getting to the end of the book, last chapter, she's cleaning out his home in bin, and the last page she comes to is the uh, Man in the Arena poem by uh, Teddy Roosevelt, mm-hmm. the credit goes not to the critic, but to the person actually in the arena, and I just felt gripped. I'm sitting in my, you know, recliner chair in the living room just feeling gripped in spirit, like, you know, I'm being told something yeah, here. This, yeah. this is a, a moment. And uh, and the next evening, uh, we received a phone call that my predecessor had passed away. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's like, is this God what you're trying to tell me <laughs> that I need to get out of my chair and go tackle something? And um, so, you know, with fear and trepidation, my wife and I, you know, first you mourn with the family and and then it was a special election mm-hmm. process. So the parties, uh, they select their candidates. They have their caucuses, and that takes the place of the primary. And then there's the public election. But uh, five Republicans came forward. Um, it was a, you know, nowhere near uh, a foregone conclusion that I would win that. In fact, there was another favorite son candidate. Uh, January 11th of 03, we met in a library. Um, I had dialed, there were 34 delegates. I had dialed them all. I would have walked their dog, washed their car, you know, anything they want. <laughs> you know, what can we do here? Um, and about half would talk to me, half said, I don't want to talk to anybody. And, you know, you presume in politics you're going to be, you know, lied to, to be frank. Um, but we met on that day, um, and it came down. 34 is, interestingly enough, uh, an even number. We had went through multiple rounds of voting. On the last, on the fourth ballot, uh, the other top candidate and I tied. And then it came down to draw straws. The committee wants to hear from the heart why you think you ought to have this job. And, uh, and, and you know, Matt, the basic answer is for the freedoms and liberties that we cherish, I want to go to Harrisburg and fight for those for you, for me, for our children and our grandchildren. That's why I'm here today, and that's why I want to serve. Mm-hmm. That answer was true then. That's still very much a part of my life now. Mm-hmm. Um, I won by one vote. <laughs> one person switched. Now, three people have claimed they were the one They were vote. the one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but I won by one vote. And, and then and you, of course, you went on. It was a pretty Republican district. It was uh, then yeah. the most Republican okay. district in the state. So okay. they could have, you know, elected uh, Mickey Mouse, yeah. you know. But um, uh, March 18th of 03, uh, elected with 70% of the vote. And, uh, and then sworn in in April of 03. Well, and then I know you had a number of races that you did see some challengers, uh, uh, but then uh, 
where you're pretty much clear in the field. Nobody was running against you for quite some time there. Quite a number of unopposed races, and that was about working it hard all the time. Yeah. And that means just be everywhere. And uh, and I, I thought, you know, they might, you know, outraise me on money, but they'll never outwork me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we really set a hard schedule on it to just be with the people, you know, and, and really be listening, connected, and trying to represent their interests. Now, uh, you were you went through a number of uh, things happening at the state level uh, that, in some ways, uh, Pennsylvania preceded the National Tea Party movement that, that occurred. We kind of had our own little Tea Party <laughs> effort uh, right after the um, pay raise of 2005 and then really what was a, a bloodbath, if you will, politically uh, in 2006. Um, what do you remember of that time? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Oh, wow. I mean, that was <laughs> a, uh, an amazing time. Um, and I voted no. You uh-huh. know, so I, I felt I had done that right. But it, it sort of didn't matter. I mean, I remember going through oh, parades yeah. that fall. And, uh, yeah, that was an, an ugly season. It didn't matter that you voted no. You know, it's like, why didn't you set yourself on fire and jump off the dome? <laughs> like, well, you know, it's just how this thing, you know, came together. But, uh, yeah, you hope there's collective institutional knowledge that dissuades them from yeah. doing that again, though by now the whole house is essentially turned over. But, yeah, that season we lost a quarter of the house. Yeah. Well, you know, roughly 50 seats went, and uh, uh, and that was— Well, you uh, even had a challenger then, right? I did. Uh, yeah. That year so, I did, and uh, she was convinced that it, despite my no vote yes. that uh, that was— the year for change. And, well, she only uh, convinced, I have the numbers, uh, 25.6% uh, that uh, that you ought to be uh, uh, ousted there. So <laughs> you survived. Uh, of course, then you had a number of elections that uh, you were unopposed and probably could could have still been in there for quite some time, but you decided uh, to hang it up in the House. Uh, talk I, I about did. that. Yes. I, uh, at the end of, in 2013, um, felt I had some seniority and, uh, and some positioning to seek the open seat of the retiring Senator Mike Brubaker, mm-hmm. uh, my senator from Lancaster, the 36th senatorial district. And, um, and we uh, went into that effort. Um, and it's one of those things you felt, you know, I felt like I had more of the backing of the party than I perhaps did, uh, but ultimately was unsuccessful securing the party's nod, the, the endorsement uh, in uh, March, I guess it was, of that year. And, um, yeah, um, ultimately, uh, looking back on it now, uh, at the point where I lost the party's nod, uh, the election kind of was over, but I felt very much this was what I was supposed to do. I was called to, to run, not to win, just to run. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, and I have a 1,000-yard signs sitting in my dining room. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, you Put know, them to use or burn them, right? You know, God, why do we have this? It's like uh, to be used. So, um, yeah, we, we pressed hard, but uh, beyond losing the endorsement, uh, hard to raise money, hard to sure. really you know, run the full-fledged campaign. And, um, and the Senate side kind of circles wagons when you know, there is an endorsement. And Lancaster County is a strong endorsement county. Not all counties are, but I do want to hasten to add uh, to that that um, in the years of aftermath, um, the senator who prevailed and I have come to peace, and uh, I'm his biggest fan, and that uh-huh. is 
uh, Senator Ryan Allman uh -huh. from Lancaster County, and uh, and I'll march to the end of the earth for Ryan. Good result, but yeah. a painful season in life. Yeah. And I and in Lancaster, they kind of asked you, please don't run for a House seat and Senate. Yeah. So I had said, no, I won't rerun for the House seat if I do the Senate. And uh, so on the day that I lost the Senate primary, my House, uh, you know, I knew I was done uh, five months down the road uh, with uh, with elective office. And so the electorate decided you need to find another line of work. They did. Uh, and so, <laughs> so you leave the House, um, but of course you're still paying attention to things politically. And I know you even threw your hat into the ring for lieutenant governor under the Republican. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, but you went, you went back into business. I did, yes, and actually uh, launched an effort to, uh, to purchase a struggling bank uh, down in uh, Chester County, mm -hmm. uh, formed up an angel investor group and then a broad investor group we uh, raised. It was very public, uh, $12.4 in capital to uh, take over the bank and um, struggled on the uh, regulatory side, um, and that's um, a, a, a painful journey of dealing with the, bureauc the bureaucracy and, and regulation that uh, was very informing. Mm -hmm. Everybody should have to learn about this once. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but, um, yeah. Which, of I course, is going to be very helpful in your new role with NFIB, is. understanding what small businesses uh, are up against. Right? That's it's not just competition out <laughs> in, the, in the marketplace, but uh, it's uh, hurdles put Absolutely. in place by government. You know, people trying to do good things, and that's uh, have a dream, a vision, you know, take the risk, expend the capital, and start an enterprise only to run headlong into uh, the monster, the red tape monster called bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. so. so so you did uh, decide, hey, I think I have another go at uh, public office, thought uh, of running for lieutenant governor. Mm -hmm. uh, I know nominations, uh, was it the nomination process? That yes. You said, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to run against the nominee uh, again right. this time. Yeah, joined the uh, effort in uh, December of... 16, uh, that carried through to February of 17, but it was the front end of the Republican Party's uh, nomination mm -hmm. process, and uh, there were three of us who came forward, um, in addition to myself, Otto Voigt, who had run for treasurer statewide and, uh, and had then run in the general and came in second uh, for treasurer of PA, and uh, Jeff Bartos, uh, who ran really the first time uh, for office. However, he had been running for the U.S. Senate right. for a period of a year and a half and had really worked the circuit very hard. Um, you know, there was a lot of grassroots level support for Jeff Bartos, and, and Jeff and I are close friends, so I'll use first names uh, for Jeff. Uh, but clearly, the Trump administration, the president liked Lou Barletta. Um, Barletta had supported Trump very early, so there was also some top-end pressure mm -hmm. to clear the deck for Lou Barletta to run for U.S. Senate, and the sort of offering to uh, Jeff Bartos was to move over into the LG run, lieutenant governor run, and um, Jeff had to make a personal decision as well. You know, do I stay in this and battle the party, or do I, I make that move? And he made the decision, and so there was clearly some support for him, not only for having run uh, for a year and a half for U.S. Senate, but also from the top top end as well. Well, so you keep feeding this political beast within you, of course, uh, <laughs> with these things. And uh, and I'm really happy that you have because I'm excited for your new role uh, with NFIB, National Federation of Independent Business. Um, talk about how that came about, and then let's talk about what NFIB is and what you uh, hope to accomplish. Mm -hmm. 
Well, um, Twitter is at the beginning of that story. So, <laughs> and I do tweet uh, as Rep Gordon is uh-huh. my Twitter handle, and um, so I'm you know scrolling through it late one night looking, and uh, Kevin Shivers, the pre- previous uh, state director for NFIB, tweeted that he was leaving to take a role with the Pennsylvania Medical Society, and I'm like, wow, yeah. ooh, that's a role at NFIB that could be a very good fit. So I dialed Kevin the next morning, uh, coffee and a conversation, and he said, yeah, you'd be a great fit for that. So I threw my you know, resume, my hat in mm-hmm. the ring, and uh, went through the, the regular process, and it came to be that I was hired to be the, uh, the next Kevin Shivers, the next uh, <laughs> fellow here at NFIB. Well, so uh, NFIB's mission, uh, what, what are you going to be advocating for up on the Hill and with your members? Yeah, uh, people ask, you know, who and what are you? Uh, what the Pennsylvania Chamber of Commerce is to the big corporations, NFIB is to the smalls. So uh, 12,500 members statewide here in PA, uh, focused on the mom and pop businesses. So, you know, that hardware store, the card shop, coffee shop, those are the, the core of NFIB. Um, really, salt of the earth people yeah. who are really built, you know, they are the economic foundation of our communities. Um, ultimately, um, there again, back to that earlier sense of calling, it's to get in there and fight for free enterprise, mm-hmm. uh, to fight for those uh, freedoms and liberties that we enjoy, and that in the economic sense. So I feel like I'm living out that calling now in this new role. And, and, it, and uh, having had the hard knock experience of running into the barriers that uh, <laughs> government uh, has created for small businesses. I can relate. I can relate <laughs> to what people deal with in a whole new way. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, good people. And uh, it's a national organization, 800 employees nationally. But we're a small shop here, uh, just one block from the Capitol. And, uh, but we uh, attempt to work with uh, you know, some of our conservative partners here around town. But uh, certainly to, uh, you know, directly influence the legislative process and to do that to, you know, keep taxes in line, fight the regulatory challenges that are out there for business owners, and uh, and really try to promote a good economic and business climate all across PA. You know, one of the things that have uh, that has been in the news lately is Amazon, right? Everybody was trying to ply them with money, saying, hey, we could get 50,000 jobs, and Throughout this whole process, I, I've said, look, I would rather have 500 small businesses, you know, with 100 employees than one with 50,000, if my math is correct there. Uh, you know, that that to me is really what would be a robust and growing economy, not having the big dogs come in and having to throw. I think we found out that uh, New York is throwing, you know, over a billion dollars, uh, Virginia over a half a billion dollars. I mean, that's not how you grow an economy. Really, it's it's creating an environment that the small mom and pop shops can grow to eventually become a big business, uh, but an environment that allows for anybody to, you know, hang out a shingle and say, hey, I think I can do better or I can compete with everybody. Absolutely. You know, ultimately, free enterprise, it's about, you know, the, the free markets, free labor and uh, private property rights. Those are the three pillars of free enterprise and uh, free markets. Yeah. Um, not getting into this crazy bidding war, you know, mm-hmm. with other states and uh, and using taxpayer dollars to try to outbid somebody, and and ultimately hurting all the other businesses in the right. state because we got to they tax don't get somebody. relief. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we got to tax somebody to pay for all of this. But yeah, you know, trying to again create that environment where folks dream the dream, and uh, you know whatever that would be to try to get that 
shingle hanging out there and and go after it. So you've talked about the regulatory uh, issues that you faced uh, as a small businessman. Um, are are there other issues that you you know right away? These are the things that hinder people in Pennsylvania from, you know, uh, you know, I guess following that entrepreneurial dream of saying, hey, I, instead of working for somebody, I'm going to go do something different. Uh, do, you, do you know what those things are right now? Uh, like here are the top issues? There, there are different things that uh, come to mind. Um, you know, the bars to entry um, and, and one which is maybe more on the individual level, but that we license every yeah. occupation. Yeah. And, you know, this is a place <laughs> to partner with folks on the Democratic side of the aisle or, you know, in, in the urban areas where, oddly enough, I, I remember listening to Al Franken on the U.S. Senate floor, you know, kind of going off on why do we license all of this so when people, maybe they, you know, have had a run-in with the law or they've had a rough start, we're making it harder for them Mm -hmm. to become productive citizens. Why would we do that? You know, if there's a health reason, yeah, a doc, I I totally get that. I mean, we want our docs to be, you know, well-certified. But to cut hair, you know, if you're bad at it, yeah. sooner or later, people are going to figure that out. Um, you know, nobody yeah, nobody dies in a barbershop. So. I think one of them was like interior designer, as though uh, there we're going to have some state uh, entity decide who's a good interior designer or not. Again, let the market decide these things. Absolutely. And, and that's one small example. But, you know, all across the board, um, DEP is another yeah. one where folks are just being harassed and hassled. And, and what I saw, and, and I'll come back to my accounting days and my finance background, I sat on the House Appropriations Committee for eight years of my 12, is that the agencies attempt to create their own revenue streams through fines, fees, and penalties so that they can divorce themselves from the general fund. Mm. Uh, mm. All too often, they don't want that control. They don't want legislator insight. And uh, we have a huge issue right there. You know, we need to get yeah, that's kind of entrepreneurial, isn't it? Uh, About that, <laughs> yes. They're, they're, Even I mean, within government, co- cottage industries, you got it. <laughs> but um, but still, in all, you know, not accountable yeah. to people and, and their elected representatives. Yeah. So um, we're going into a new legislative session. Uh, we've got divided government. Republicans control the House and the Senate, uh, but a governor who has been rated the most liberal in America, uh, has certainly uh, not been, uh, despite being a businessman, of course inherited it, and, uh, um, uh, but ran as saying, hey, I'm the small business governor. Um, where do you see the challenges, opportunities uh, with a new legislative session? Do you have hopes that Governor Wolf uh, will you know, operate like candidate Wolf uh, campaigned? Well, um, I believe it was Alexander Pope uh, wrote, uh, Hope Springs Eternal in the Human (laughs) Breast, and I, of course, hope. But, uh, yeah, I'm also a realist. Uh, But we're going to, of course, extend the hand here at NFIB Mm -hmm. to the administration and try to find areas of common interest. Uh, Even that one that I just mentioned, which, you know, if Al Franken can be for some changes in licensing, maybe Governor Wolf can be, too. You know, I, I think there are places we can go to to find some common ground. And, uh, and, and I think back on Ed Rendell, when he was governor, was kind of the master of going uh, to places maybe that sure. were unexpected mm-hmm. at points to, uh, to move agenda. Um, you know, we have some fundamental economic disagreements with the governor. We acknowledge that. So let's get beyond that and find some of those places where we can come together a bit and try to improve the business environment. 
Well, we certainly need that, and hopefully uh, not having to throw lots of money at big corporations, but saying open for business and new small businesses form here in Pennsylvania as a result of better public policies. I know you'll be on the front end of that, Gordon, uh, fighting for it. I'm glad you're back in the fight uh, right here in Harrisburg, and we look forward to partnering with you on on many efforts here. Well, thank you, Matt. Uh, you've been such a champion over the years here, and uh, and I'm thrilled to be uh, here with you and with uh, other folks of good conservative principle as we try to do good things for PA and, and move the state forward. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining me on Brews and Views, Gordon, and I'm sure we'll have conversations in the coming months and years. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E.